a lot of times it's like the death by a thousand cuts. It's not the one thing. It's the repeated, I'm not going to open the mail. I'm not going to put my stuff away. I'm not going to click. It's it's that repeated little thing over and over again that breeds this these unhealthy habits that then have a longer impact and that impacts our stress and our mental clarity. Hey there, my friends, it's Dr. Anthony Balduzzi, and I want to welcome you back to another episode here on the Fit Mother Project podcast. Today, we welcome organization expert and busy mom, Lori Palau. She's the author of the book, Hot Mess, A Practical Guide to Getting Organized. She's the host of the Organized Life podcast and the founder of Simply Be Organized. Her website and business is dedicated to helping people of all ages and backgrounds declutter their lives, regain mental and physical freedom, and work smarter. So, Lori, I am really excited that you're here. And I was telling you this before we hit record that I think that there's just so many parallels between the health journey that many of us who listen to this podcast are on. It requires these skills of identifying clutter and and with with our nutrition exercise habits. But I think this is like a broader conversation about why we produce mess. And I want to know why you are so passionate personally about helping people get organized and efficient. Like, why did this become a part of your life's work? Yeah, I mean, thanks so much for for having me. And this is there. You're 100 correct. There are so many parallels, and I talk about it all the time when I'm teaching people. Like I'm always making health analogies because it's a practice, right? What we're doing is a practice of every day. It's not a one and done. It's not like okay, well, I I ate well or I exercised today, so now I'm done. I can check it off the list. It, it's something that's ongoing, and it becomes yeah. part of your lifestyle. I mean, I think that that's really that's the core of it. Um, but to answer your question, I guess I've always been, and it sounds cliche, I guess I've always been a fairly organized person. And when I, I when I think about organization, you think about your physical space. I wasn't an overly crazy, messy kid. I mean, like normal people, I wasn't overly OCD, but I didn't, you know, I didn't have a lot of mess growing up, but I also was pretty organized with my time. And so, you know, I, when I am teaching people and we talk about organization and we talk about clutter, it's, it's bigger than just the stuff, right? There's all these other layers of clutter that we talk about. And so for me, I always found organization was a path to freedom. If the more organized I was, it allowed me to focus on the things that really mattered. I didn't like procrastinating. I was somebody, and again, I know we talked offline. I do a lot of a lot of the work that I do now focuses in on people's personality types and how that relationship is with clutter. And I think I was just intuitively somebody that just was very process driven in my life. Mm-hmm. And then fast forward to my adult life when I incorporated work and kids and trying to navigate all of the things. Um, I found that. I had to have some sort of structure and discipline to be able to do the things that I wanted to do. Otherwise, life was going to just happen to me. And so it was very organic, my story. It was pretty anticlimactic in that it was not something I necessarily set out to do. Um, It just sort of happened as a byproduct of me wanting to have like certain goals of like, I want to be able to spend time with my kids or I want to be able to volunteer here or I want to be able to do things. And in order for 
those things to happen. I just needed to have some sort of um, structure in place. Yeah. And I got to say, I mean, I, when I think about the lives and the struggles of like moms, it is that you're wearing so many different hats and it often feels so like a, ban- a bandwidth issue, right? Like you want, you have a desire over here, which is like health and fitness, for example, that always gets put on the back burner for many people because kids are priority, work is a priority, dinner is a priority, keeping just the whole life family system running is a priority. So it's cool that this is a conversation so much more about like physical stuff. It's about how you actually organize your energy and how you are able to flow efficiently in all these areas of your life because then you feel like more free and more expressed. And I guess that's what we all want. And I think this quote from your website that I love is you have this phrase, it's not about the bins. So to me, this mm-hmm. suggests it's like, it's not about the physical stuff, but it's about you. Can you like yeah. speak into that that mindset a little bit more? Yeah, and it's funny. I, I just want to piggyback on something that you said. So we record, and I don't mean this is be like a shameless plug, and I'm not sure when this episode is going to drop, but so I have been running my podcast for like going on seven years, which is crazy mm-hmm. town to even say out loud because it's like really how much stuff that you talk about. But but when you talk about living an organized life, again, it goes beyond the stuff. It goes beyond an organized closet and all those things. But a few several months ago, we started dropping a second episode, which is just a quick tip of the week. And it's a little bite-sized nugget. And I kid you not, I recorded yesterday. Again, I'm not sure the timing of whether it'll be live or not yet, but I literally recorded an episode yesterday as the tip of the week was to move your body and prioritizing that. And as a mom, I know, and my kids are bigger now, I was equally as a victim as I have so many other things. I'm going to put my own health on the back burner. I am going to, I'm running. And some of it is logistics, right? Like we are logistically, we only have so many hours in a day. And depending on your situation, whether you're a single mom or whether you have a a spouse or a partner that travels a lot or isn't around, which, you know, my husband were married going on 25 years and he's a great guy, but he traveled a ton and wasn't around. So I was wearing the majority of the hats and there were major seasons where I didn't prioritize health and fitness. And maybe I was eating okay, but I was like, I don't have time for that. I don't have time for that. And I could have, looking back now, Monday morning quarterback saying, you know what? Yes, it was tight. Yes, there were things, but I could have doubled down. There are things that I could have done to walk around the block or ask a friend to watch my kids so I could do something. And I think I can only speak for myself, but as a mom, I was very prideful when my kids were little that like, I should be able to do it all. And that's just a false. And I see that with organization as well as people just feel like I should know how to do these things. I should know how to prioritize this. I should know how to organize my fill in the blank. And I tell people all the time, organizing, just like working out and eating, it's a learned skill. Some people are, again, have modeled behavior that is healthy for them. Some people Mm -hmm. have modeled behavior that's unhealthy. Um, And you don't know what you don't know. And so getting those, learning those strategies or asking for help where you're, where you're, feeling like this is a, a negatively impacting me is not a sign of weakness. And I am speaking from personal experience in those early years, you know, I'm again, I'm 52 now, but 20 years ago when my kids were little, I was like, I would never have done it. I just, I, I would martyr my way through it and just say, well, yeah, I don't have time. 
I know there's absolutely ladies listening to this right now that have had that experience or maybe still have. And maybe this conversation helps give you the permission to be like, okay, this actually is an area I need to lean into and I probably need some help. And I definitely want to pick your brain on some of the strategies on on that in a second. But I think what's even more foundational and fascinating is this idea that our personality type has to do with our clutter. I saw this on Mm -hmm. your website and some of your podcast titles and prep for this. And funny enough, because of you, I went and I took an Enneagram test last night at like 10 o'clock at night because I'm like, I gotta gotta see where I'm at at this. I know it's just one personality type. I found out that I'm a type eight which I think is a challenger or a conqueror. I'm like assertive, confident. There you go. Well, you are us too. So we're eights. We're assertive. We're confident. We're, we, we have ability to think, do things. And then we need to channel ourselves into being giving and serving. And then we're really good, healthy, and expressed. Like that's kind of what sure. I gathered. And I, I think we're both on that thing. So go us. We're on the growth trajectory. Yes. But, yes. Outside, but outside of the Enneagram, like let's yeah. just talk about how personality interfaces with how we manage our space and how clutter shows up. Because I think this is going to help parents, whether personally their clutter patterns, but also their kids, right? Or their spouse or other people that's like, that annoys me. Let's talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. And um, kudos to you for looking into it. I love it. Um, I think really what it boils down to, because I've always been fascinated with personalities. And in my previous life, before I started organizing and all the things, I was an executive recruiter. And I tell this story because I've always worked with people and finding out what motivated them to want to make change was always something that fascinated me. Like some people would be looking to change jobs because it was status. Other people wanted more money. Other people wanted more flexibility or more autonomy or more travel or less travel. So I always was very interested in like how different people could approach the same job and have completely different reactions, perspectives to it. And so I've always kind of looked through things through that lens um, and found that, again, it's all about perspective. And one of the big drivers in that also has to do with communication because we all, by human nature, I think have a tendency to think like, if this is the world that we see, the we see the world this way. So everyone else might see, like, sees it, must see it the same way as us. Right. And, right. And like, how can that not... You know, for somebody and tying it back to clutter, it's like I'm walking in and I see a sink full of ditches. And that's right. How can how can my spouse walk past that and just walk like it not see them? And I have learned that like there are some people that are just what I call clutter blind. Like it just isn't a big thing. And the flip side, you have other people that are like, why are you so stressed out? Why are you so anal? Why are you so controlling? Why are you so type A? And you've got other people that this is really like, I, this is a stress inducer. If I see this, this is like a really, you know, this is like nails on a chalkboard. So I started really kind of looking into it. And I think, again, it's not a prescriptive thing. That's the first thing I want to tell people. It's it's context and it's a framework that you can use like tools in a toolbox. And what I love about specifically the work I do with Enneagram, which is a personality typology that looks at motivation. But whether you're looking at Enneagram or not Enneagram, I think what it does is it gives you language. It gives you language to be able to start the conversation. And really where I see a lot of conflict resulting from clutter, because clutter is just the byproduct, right? It's the byproduct of something else. If I walk into somebody's house and I see clutter, I'm not like, oh, you're so lazy or you're such a slob. I'm like, what's going on? Like, what is this representing? And um. So it's really using this as how can we use this information to 
elicit a conversation so that we can get on the same page and see how we feel about this. Yeah. So I think not if there's certain, it's not like, okay, if you're type eight, that means you do X, Y, and Z, or mm-hmm. you don't, you know, there aren't All like right. certain personalities that, that are destined to it. But what it does do is it gives you some ideas to say, okay, let's look at characteristics of these different buckets of people. And whether you're looking at, you know, we all make decisions based on three main centers of our world. We do it intuitively with our gut, like intuition, people that are like, I'm going with my gut. You do it analytically with your head where you're gathering information and knowledge and I'm going to get all the facts. So we have head-focused people, you've got gut-centered people, and then you've got your heart-centered people that are like, I deal with emotion and feeling and they make decisions that way. And so when you look at clutter... And you could apply that for anything. Anything that you're doing, people will have one that's more dominant than another. And again, they're all just like clutter. It's, I, you know, if I were to do a model, I'd look at concentric circles. Like they're all related. Yeah. But usually everybody's got something that's more dominant than other. And for eights, like you and me, we're more gut driven, right? We mm-hmm. make decisions totally. first by intuition. And then we use thinking. We use thinking <laughs> and logic. For sure. And so... Eights, the least access thing that they use, at least access center is feeling. So that is so a lot of eights that I know, not all, don't struggle with what I call emotional clutter. They don't struggle with guilt or fear because, right? It's like, it's very utilitarian and you can make decisions quickly and eights are quick processors. So again, when I'm working with somebody that's an eight, they usually are like, yes, I want it. No, I don't. And, you know, the biggest struggle I see for eights are, you know, their struggle with what I call calendar clutter is being overscheduled because we tend to take on more than we can, you know, more than more than more hours in a day. You know what I mean? More, more things than there are hours. But somebody else who might be a different Enneagram type that's say feeling centered may really struggle with emotional clutter and really struggle with getting rid of things because everything has a story. Everything is sentimental. And that's just the world that they see. So their process of getting through it is just going to be different. It doesn't mean that they're destined to live in clutter. It just means they have to put in different strategies to be able to navigate through them. And so, and you've other people that, again, are maybe a little bit more in their heads and they have to really kind of work through and not mistake the thinking about doing something for doing something. You know, you could tie back to fitness, be like, I'm going to research all different things. Should I be doing HIIT? Should I be doing yoga? Should I be doing this? And you're doing all this research. And it's like, at some point, you just got to do it. You know, which is going to be best for me and my body type, which is going to be best for somebody that's going through menopause. What's going to be best for here. And you do all this research. And at some point you're like, you just got to do it and try it and pivot as you go along. But there are certain types that certain personalities that just get so caught up in the loop of research and knowledge and thinking about it that it stands in the way from the actual execution. So it's trying to find that. And again, I don't like the word balance because again, but you know, trying to find that healthy, you know, that happy medium where you can use all of those things. Yeah. Correct. Correct. Mm -hmm. That's powerful. I absolutely love that. And now like, so you recommend everyone basically take the Enneagram, right? I mean, it sounds like it. Talk talk about the process of self-knowledge. Yeah. 
Yeah. And so, so just really, really quick top line, like I said, so Enneagram's an ancient personality typology. So if you're listening, you're like, oh, I have no idea what this is. And it stands for nine types, Enneagram, nine types. That's what it stands for. And it really, the, the, the principle behind it is that we make our decisions based on the motivation. Our type is by determined based on your motivation, and that never changes. And what I love about the Enneagram is that it's fluid. So like you said, there's healthy space, unhealthy space. So there's a little bit of each type in all of us, but everybody's born with a type, and that is your type throughout life, right? And there's different schools of thought of like, is it by, you know, are you born with it? Are you develop it? But either way, your type is is who you are, your your essence. And it gives you, again, that each type has different characteristics and you don't have to go down a whole rabbit hole. But I think it's fascinating to say, this tells me a little bit about who I am and why I do the things I do. Is it somebody who, again, everybody's got a different core motivation. The eights are, we're all about justice and we want to do things. But again, we might be doing things and be bossy in our, in our passion for doing things. Somebody else might be a peacekeeper and they're like, okay, I'm just not going to rock the boat. Other people might be perfectionists and perfectionists are, tend to be very controlling, not because they want to be controlling, but they feel like that's their mission. And so understanding gives you an opportunity to better yourself, like find the healthy and, and see your blind spots. Because I remember when I first started learning about the Enneagram and they're like, you're bossy and you're intimidating and you're all these things. And I'm like, I'm not that. And people are like, yes, you are. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, well, that's not what I mean to be, but I realize you can learn about yourself. So it's like, what do you do with this information? And so what I've done is just taken it and applied it in a way of the context of clutter when we're looking at, because clutter causes conflict, period, full stop. Yeah. And I think that causes conflict. It does, right? Yeah. And clutter clutter is something that we share in this in the shared space with those that we live in most close proximity. So when I'm hearing you say this, it like would also be really valuable to kind of know through like a more systematic way the enneagram or the the dispositions, motivational types of the people, your kids, your spouse, so that you can have greater understanding and grace, right? I mean, because 100%. we have this we have this bias of the mind where was like well known from the psychological research where when we do something that's like a, we'll call it a misstep of some sort we recognize the different external factors and pressures that led us to do that it's like man it was a tough day like sorry didn't mean to do that but when we observe other people misstep we often make character mm-hmm. judgments as totally. opposed to as opposed to seeing seeing their pressures like oh he's just the type of person that does an xyz yes. and like that's that's just like a grace that we don't often give each other but if you understand somebody dispositionally you could have a little more grace. And the other thing, and I want you to comment on that. The one other thing I wanted to say is, as you were sharing is, I think it's cool because like clutter almost, at least for me, can be like a bit of a spiritual practice. Like what I mean by that is like, imagine you're living with someone and they have a higher clutter tolerance than you do based on their Mm -hmm. natural dispositions. And you walk into the kitchen, you always see the dishes piled up. And then you have that moment of that initial flare up of that response, right? That feeling of like, again, 
Like they disrespect me. I can't believe this is still happening. Like X, Y, Z. You can even just like sit, even the ability just to sit with that emotional reactive feeling, I think can be cleansing in time because it enables you to kind of like step into that feeling of love and acceptance of people for who they are. And also not demanding that things are exactly the way you want them to be because the world doesn't work like that. As much as like we'd like to impose our framework and make everything like the way that it should line up in our minds, it's just not how it works. And I think that's a part of our psychological growth to realize that. 100%. And again, it's, um, I always tell people, it doesn't give you an excuse. It doesn't give you a pass, right? So if you're like, I have a high clutter tolerance. And so I'm just going to, I'm, I'm just going to leave the dishes all day. You know, I think again, you can, it, it should have a conversation when you're in a relationship and you're in a partnership with, and this could go for roommates too. Like it could go like, I've, kids in college. And I say, these are conversations that you can have with your roommates because it's about mutual respect and letting people know how this makes them feel that like, I and saying like, I feel disrespected when I've been working all day. And, you know, especially like for moms who are like, I've been working all day trying to do this. And then you come home and drop your stuff everywhere. To me, that just seems like you're undermining, you don't value what I'm doing. And for a lot of people, that's not their intent at all. They're just unaware of it. And so we oftentimes just tell ourselves these narratives and then we double down on them that, you know, and then also it could be a conversation where I've seen it where a spouse says, well, she likes to do it her way and I don't want to like rock the boat. So I just don't do anything. And then the other side uh, is saying, he never helps me and I have to do everything. And it's really, maybe if we had a, a conversation of like where we were coming from, then it, you know, we, it would, we would be able to reduce the amount of conflict. And that's why I say it's really about using this as a way to communicate with other people and explain in really concrete specifics. And I, I use the analogy for a lot of people, or I tell the story about the mom that's yelling at their kids to go clean their room. And again, this can apply, you can apply this in so many different ways. And the kid goes upstairs and like shoves all the stuff in the floor, in the closet and underneath the bed. And they're like, my room is clean. Well, to a kid, the room is clean because the expectation was pretty broad of just clean the clean the room. And the mom is like, wait, what are you talking about? It's not clean. I wanted your clothes in the hamper, your toys back in your toy box and your books on the shelf. And that is a very specific, actionable thing that they can get a picture in their mind of what it is that they're looking for. And for a lot of people, clutter is abstract. What does that really mean? What is it that you're looking for? And so being able to be very, you know, I want you to go in and do X, Y, and Z, or instead of saying, I need help, go, I really need you to, you know, give the kids a bath so that I can do this. Or I need you to do the dishes so that I do can do yeah. this or whatever it is. And being very specific because again, like you said, we want people to be mind readers, but we're, it's impossible because we are all coming at what we want from, even if we have the same finish line, right. the path that we're going to take is going to be completely different. Yeah. And I mean, this, this clutter word is like a couple things come up for me when you share that one is like, 
clear communication and just bring it to the surface. It's all tied to respect. And I think when people who are have a higher clutter tolerance can see that it's actually, oh, there's more weight to this now. This is this is how I can help my roommate actually feel respected by me. It actually matters to me quite a bit. So now I'll do this. And then the other thing is, I imagine there's some degree of compromise too when you're living with people with different tolerances, right? You got to meet in the middle. Yes. It can't just like be like someone. And that's that's kind of beautiful. Like, I guess like you're not, you're, maybe your kid's room will never be as clean as you'd like it, but it's not going to be as messy as they'd like it. So somewhere you find in the middle. And setting boundaries is really important. So there's two things, and I want to speak really to the parents that are listening out here, especially if you've got younger younger kids. One of the greatest gifts that you could do is empower your kids to be part of the process. You're, you know, I always said to my girls when they grow up, like we're team Palau and there are certain things, you know, you know, we're kind of a sports family. So I was like, you know what? Sometimes you're going to be you know, varsity, sometimes you're going to be sitting on the bench. Like there's, everyone's got a role though, and we're going to be doing different things. And so you're going to do age appropriate things, but empowering your kids not only teaches them the tactical skill of how to do something, make their bed, clean the dishes, do laundry, whatever it is that's age appropriate. It's allowing them to understand the life skill, but it's also understanding the time and then factoring that in. I have so many friends because again, now my kids are grown and I have so many friends that spoon fed their kids, whether they felt that they were doing the best thing or they were, you know, and they wanted their kids to focus in just on school stuff or whatever, um, or they were controlling and they're like, my kid doesn't do it the way I want. And they now have fast forward kids that are going to college that don't know how to do laundry or balance their time and factor in other things because, so there's so many benefits to opening up and releasing some of that, that like clenched fist yeah. and going, okay, the bed, the kid may have just pulled the sheet, like the blanket over and it's not all nice and smoothed out, but you're getting them to do it and they're mm-hmm. learning. And as they continue to grow and work that muscle, you're empowering them to do it. And it's so, it's such a gift. And I see so many parents that do so much. I'm not saying you can't do for your kids, but realizing that they're probably capable of doing more than we oftentimes give them credit for. Yeah, well said. And I think the way to motivate people who don't feel super motivated to take the action you want them to take is partly to give them like a reason that's actually motivating to them. So for example, we all we all know that sugar is like not great for us. We probably shouldn't have a candy bar. Yet a lot of people still eat them because they don't really know what sugar can do to a body. So if you were to actually go to, you know, a kid who's a young athlete and be like, okay, actually here's what sugar does to you. And here's why it's making you weaker, weaker, dumber, you know, not as effective at the things you actually care about. They're like, okay, well, there's a little more weight now to my decision. So with something like the bed, I think the thing that got me really motivated to make the bed was the idea. I, I listened to this like Navy SEAL talk many, many years ago about like, yeah. make your bed. I it's know an the act, one. It's, yes. Yeah, you do, right? It's an active completion yep. first thing in the morning. It's like, I'm setting something to order as my first thing of the day. And I'm like, dang, that's kind of a powerful statement about how you're going to cruise today. Like that seems like a good enough reason to start to make the bed. So I started making my bed and it turns out that it's pretty fun. Yeah. And and it shouldn't take that long. I mean, there's so many different things, but I think again, we can often, whether it's with food, whether it's with fitness, whether it's with stuff where you go, it's a lot of times it's like the death by a thousand cuts. Yeah. It's not the one thing. It's the repeated poor behavior, or I shouldn't say that, but like, I'm not going to open the mail. I'm not going to put my stuff away. I'm not going to clean. It's, it's that repeated little thing over and over again that breeds this, these unhealthy habits that then 
have a longer impact and that impacts our stress and our mental clarity and all of the things. And again, it's the same thing. It's like, what's the big deal? I just had a candy bar. Or what's the big deal? I just skipped a day of workout. Well, yeah, in the grand scheme of things. But I think what I try to teach people is your life is going to, we all go through seasons and there are times where things are busy and things may not be as organized or a little bit more cluttered because you're in a, what it's what I call situational clutter. You know, maybe it's Christmas and you've got a bunch of stuff or it's graduation season. And so, you know, you're running around to a million different things. So maybe not everything is as buttoned up, but the beauty of it is if you've set up the foundation and you've set up the framework when you can come up for air and say, all right, I'm going to get things back in order. You've already set something up and it's the same with working out. You may say, listen, I, I work out, you know, or I four times a week, five times a week, whatever you do. And you've had a busy week and you, you know, you haven't been able to get there as much and it's okay. Or you go on vacation and you're like, I miss going to the gym or whatever it is that you do. You can get back on because you've already set that groundwork. And I think that is really what I try to teach people is like, let's just get you that baseline yes. so that when life goes sideways, because it, it's going to at some point, yes. whether it's a, in a good way or a not good way, right. you can at least have something to f- come back to as opposed to just feeling like, well, that's it. We're done. We're washed up. It's all for nothing. For sure. I can't, I mean, everyone listening to this knows how relevant that is to this fit mother journey that they're following. Like that's health and fitness to a T, right? You know, it's about, it's okay to drift a little bit. It's just not great to drift for a, like a day's fine, a week's worse, a month's bad, a couple of years can be devastating. So you're always guiding back on track. And it's a perfect segue to what I want to ask you now is about the strategies. Yeah. When it comes yeah. to health and fitness, there are things you might do monthly, like set an actual goal or decide on what the program you're going to follow is. Weekly, you might do something like meal prep and scheduling your workouts. Daily, you might be taking actions like doing the workout or eating the meal. When it comes to getting rid of clutter and and being more organized and clear. What are some of the things you look at in terms of like a big year view, month view? What do we do on a daily basis? How do we actually do the strategies? Such a a good question. So I kind of look at it in kind of two broad strokes. So I look at like kind of the strategy of like, what are our goals, right? What is it that you want the space to look like? What is it that you, how do you want this to function? What's not working for you now that we need to fix? And maybe if there is something that is working, let's let's look at how we can replicate more of that. So yeah. I kind of just do this like big, broad stroke. But then from there, we really dial it down. Of, okay, what's the tactical steps that we're going to take to get right. there? You know, it's like setting a goal is great. It's like saying, okay, I want to lose 10 pounds. Okay, that's great. That's a good actionable like number if you want. But okay, what are you going to do to get there? You can't just will it right? Yeah. Willpower is not going to make it happen. What are the steps that you're going to do? I'm going to eat less. I'm going to do intermittent fasting. I'm yep. going to exercise. Like, so that's the tactical things you're going to do to help make that goal a reality, right? So I, lo- I really approach clutter in a very similar way. So if you're like, there's a specific space again, and a lot of people will say my whole world, okay, well, we're not going to go there. We're going to like, let's break it down to something. I want people to see a small actionable win, just like making the bed, right? So what are some small things? Because it builds momentum. Yeah. And I think um, you can apply this in other areas, you know, people getting out of debt, you know, starting to like start, you want to start to see some wins. Yeah, And so- saying, okay, here's what, here's the space. That's, that's my pain point. Um, here's the goal. And what are we going to do to get there? So that, 
the strategy is going to be that, figuring out where we're going to start first. The tactical thing is, I always say, let's just start with these four simple piles. We want to have a keep pile, and that's the stuff that we know that we're keeping that's in that space. You have a donate pile, which again, if it's like clothes, clothes that you're getting rid of, doesn't fit me anymore, but I want to get rid of it. Then you have your recycle, which is like, you know, anything obviously that's garbage or damage that it's not worthy of a donation. And then I have what I call the relocate pile, which is stuff that is not in current rotation or doesn't need to live there. Yeah. And if you're talking about, um, you know, and, and the beauty of these four piles, they can apply to any space. So if you're talking about a kitchen, it could be like, okay, I use this once a year. It doesn't take, a, you know, this is my turkey roasting pan. It doesn't need to live in my kitchen. It can live in a yeah. storage or wherever. If you're in your... If, if you're in your closet and you're like, well, I might hold on to this because my weight fluctuates up and down and I'm not really ready to get rid of it, but I'm not currently this size. And I'm thinking, you know, and this is especially for like a lot of moms who are still in the season of having kids where you're like, okay, I maybe span between a six and a 10, depending on where I am in my life. Okay, right now I'm here. So let's just keep that size here if you want to hold on for, a, you know, because we're going to reevaluate, right. maybe you relocate it to a storage area, mm -hmm. you know, or it's just stuff that doesn't need to live there. So when you can look at it and you are very systematic yeah. about that, it gives you the plan to work through. And so then you can say, here's the stuff that I'm actually keeping. And I always, 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 it doesn't matter if I'm talking about paper, it doesn't matter if I'm talking about clothes, food, whatever. One question I always ask people is, what is your ease of retrieval? How quickly can you get this if you need it? Because a lot of people think the whole purpose of an organization is to put stuff away. And I beg to differ. I think you want everything to have a home for sure. But the whole purpose is about the simplicity of retrieving it when you need it. Yeah. So you need those documents. If you just have this file cabinet that's like, or whatever, or a drawer that you shove everything... You're going to be wasting time looking for it. If you're, you know, if your closet is overflowing with stuff and, and you don't have a, a systematic way to store your stuff, it's going to be really hard for you to find what you're looking for. That's why right. so many people waste time and money buying stuff again, all the things, because they just don't know that they have it and it's quicker and easier for them to just go replace it. And so we want to try to break that cycle and say, let's figure out what is the simplest way that we can store it so that we can find it when we need it. Nice. That's, a, that's such a cool thing that I really never thought about. It is all about like ease of like accessing that. Once you've pared down the things that actually matter or are relevant mm -hmm. today, it's just being able to like be able to grab things you need so you flow, so you don't have as much friction. And it's not just about shoving things in a box. Like that's just, yeah. Right. Exactly. And for some types, and we look, and I talk about this in my teaching with personality and clutter, there are some people that are just really have that like visceral reaction to clutter. And so for them, the knee jerk reaction is I just want to get it away, right? I'm just going to shove it somewhere because I don't want to see it. I don't like clutter, but yeah. they aren't maybe strategic in right. putting it. So then when it comes to the, where is that? And I saw that in my own home because my husband's, uh, it is like that. And he would like constantly be like putting stuff away after the, like picking up after my girls. And they'd be like, dad, where'd you put my so-and-so? And he's like, I don't know, because it's so mindless. He's just going through motions to like get it away. Right. And that is not a healthy way of saying, well, um, you know, you don't see the 
physical clutter, but then you wind up wasting time and it's still causing stress and anxiety, which is what clutter. So we want to reduce that and we want to have Again, the plan of what is that going to look like? Yeah, so that you when can... things are in strategic spots, it helps you. And even though it's like it's one thing on top of a table versus a completely clean table, like that could be your phone charging station. That could be the place you keep your keys. This could be where your toothbrush lives. Like, you know, it's like there's a balance that each of us finds, but it makes a ton of sense to me. And I think I do that kind of naturally. And I think for people, again, I know your demographic is similar to my demographic on my show where, you know, it's a lot of like women in the 40s. And so I know for me, I had to, in my own life, really set some clear boundaries of where clutter, where people are allowed to express themselves and kind of live in their natural habitat and what was common shared spaces Mm -hmm. that we have to have like some common ground rules. Right. And so for parents, you know, my house is certainly not perfect, but I allowed my kids to, if they wanted their rooms to be somewhat messy, there's, and there's a difference between dirty and messy, right? If they want to have their clothes on the floor and couldn't tell the dirty clothes from the clean clothes, that's on them. Like for me, I'm like, if you have a sweaty, dirty basketball uniform. I feel bad for your teammates, but that's a you problem. You know, like you're, you're, you know how to do laundry. You know how to put yourself away and you've chosen not to. And I can shut your door. But what I won't tolerate is you coming in and dropping stuff in the common areas, the yeah. kitchen and whatnot. So again, not that everything has to be perfect. You can come in. I want your, your house should be like livable and comfortable. But at the end of the day, th- there's a level of respect and, and like, this is what we do in these spaces. And if you want to be messy and the clutter doesn't bother you in your room, that's fine. As long as we don't have, like, I always said, I'm not having great gardens. Like, there's not yeah. going to be food and feral rodents yeah. or whatever. But if you want to just, I, I'm not sweating that. That's your space. But in these areas. And so I think it's really important for people to say, okay, we're going to let the playroom area be messy. And at the end of the night, and I'm making this up, you know, you set whatever boundaries, but like, but at the end of each day, we're going to go in there before dinner or whatever it is. And we're going to all clean up or you're going to clean up. Um, and just setting that and being very clear about what that is and why it's important. Yeah. And I think when everyone has a space that they feel some ownership with, as well as a shared space that they need to respect other people, like, that's a big part of like human development. I mean, in terms of getting them to become young young adults to adults, like that's what life is like. You go into shared spaces, you don't make the rules. This is like, we're all kind of, this is our party together, yet you can go back to your cave and like, that's how you want to do things. And you get to live with both the benefits and the consequences of how you're rolling. And then you're learning in the process. So like, that's great. It seems like it's a really growth stimulating environment. No, I want to ask it's, you to yeah. go ahead. No, please comment on that. No, no, and no, ask no. The next I was question. just going to say for moms with littles, sometimes that can just seem like such a foreign because you're so in the weeds with your littles that you're like, I, I can't even think about when they grow up and launch, but I'm here to tell you, like, I see it with my girls now and their roommates and having that being able to have those healthy conversations and having that mutual respect versus the kids that just don't know any better because they don't know. So like you really, it really is all these little things really do add up. For sure. Okay. So the, the age old thing of spring cleaning, right? I mean, it's the concept and I'm just kind of like thinking through that word right now. It's like, I imagine humans have been cold winter, you're huddled in your house, a bunch of stuff builds up, whatever. Now springtime comes around. 
and it's time to clean. It's time to get ready. And I'm sure there's part of that aspect that you have in your plans, but like, how often do you recommend people do like a deep heroic, like let's spend a focused number of time. It could be one day, two days, three days and like purge the detox version of for the health detox for your clutter. Yeah. And again, I, I, I hate to say like, I don't have a perfect answer. Like I, I don't think it's, but I do think that you should identify certain times of the years that are going to be reset times for yeah. different areas. And the most common times are your kind of your spring cleaning. But for some people, it might not be in March. It might be in May or June when the kids get out of school. Like right. that makes more sense for you. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of times, again, we do, uh, you know, I know when my kids were young, I used to do a purge of things like right before Christmas, you know, and whether it was like, we're maybe we're not doing the halls, but we're doing like the toy area. So I think you look at kind of the main hubs and then again, back to school. Like there's kind of three or four different kind of pockets of time. And I think it's important to say, we're going to reset each different area at this particular time. Yeah. And whether it means we're going to go through, um, you know, I'm going to go through the pantry now, I'm going to do this and I'm going to dedicate an afternoon to do it. I think and I'll tell people steal moments when you can, because it is mm -hmm. an ongoing practice. Yeah. Um, so I don't think you have to let it build up, but there is something to be said to be getting that momentum. So if you are like, listen, I would really like to say, we're going to put it on the calendar um, and say, we're going to work on this, this weekend, you know, as a family, we're going to work on the garage or the whatever it is, the basement or whatever your space you're looking for and say, we're going to do this. Or it could just be, we're going to work for a couple of hours. You know, we're yeah. going to work for a couple of hours and get this. But I think it is important to be intentional about it. I think that's really the key is saying our lives are fluid and we go through different seasons where, you know, we might be into a specific activity more yeah. often than not, or your kids are going to go through seasons of toys where they're into this and then they're not. And it's always good to be, and that's why I call it like a practice. You're going to want to cycle things out. They were really into this and now they're not. Let's move it out. Decide if you've got another one that you want to hold on to it because you might save it for another sibling, or maybe it's just time to donate it. Um, and I think just getting in that habit of saying, we're going to do it, um, and again, being intentional about it, if you wait for that perfect time, and I'm air quoting that, right. it's not going to happen. And that's yeah. the thing is I think a lot of times people, again, going back to the whole fitness or eating right, it's like, I'll do it when my kids go to school or I'll do it when right. this or I'll do it when that. And when we wait for that perfect time, it just never happens. So we have to create it. Well said. And I, I think I like a couple of things you said. Well, first off, the experience that we feel after we've decluttered and organized a particular area is we feel lighter and we feel accomplished. Like these are two things. So it's like the same thing we experience when we lose weight. We feel physically lighter and we feel accomplished. So like it's a good feeling at the end of this. And I also love the idea that like we can think of our, our living spaces as like sections. There is a pantry, there is a closet, there is an office, a gym or something like this. So you can always take it in chunks. And for me, the kind of decluttering mm -hmm. process is like, it's like productive procrastination. And I'm not saying it's not important work. It's just like, if I have a lot of like meetings, I have to create some something in this. It feels so good sometimes to still be doing like really productive stuff to take, I don't know, one hour and go organize this X, Y, Z. And maybe that's why it's kind of nice on the weekend. A lot of people organize things on the weekend, like get into the garage, 
do some stuff, like, I don't know, whatever it is, but it could be slotted in and almost as like some restorative, personal, productive time in the middle of things. And it can kind of charge you up for your other kind of work and family obligations. Yeah. And I would always discourage people from trying to take on too much. Like, again, you want to do it, have a sense of accomplishment and you don't want to feel burned out and exhausted because when we're burned out and exhausted, then the thought of doing that again, mentally right. getting yourself up, you're not going to want to do it. But if you're like, I did this, yes, it may have been hard. Maybe I would rather have been doing something else. But at the end, you have that sense of accomplishment and you do feel lighter and you you real you can see, you know, the beauty when you're dealing with physical clutter is you can actually see the results right then yeah. and there. Like you see it, like instant I, I decluttered the space and it's that instant feedback, which is great. I always said, if I could, I would love to design something where it'd be like, if you, if you eat this way for 30 days, here's exactly how your body will look. Right? Yeah, that'd be cool, right? And if I could see that, then I would be like, damn, I can suck it up and <laughs> like not stick a piece of bread in my mouth for 30 yeah. days or whatever it is, you know? Right. But I think so much of it is blind faith or if it we is. don't have the plan, then it's just like, what are we working towards? We're just going through the motions. And, you know, again, that's why having sort of like, this is what we're working towards. This is what we want to do. Helps us to say, to redirect. This is what we're trying to do. Remember, the reason why we're doing this is we, you know, we want to create a a cool hangout place for when your friends come over. And right now, there's nowhere for them to sit or hang out because there's stuff everywhere. Yeah. So let's work together to do that. And when you can have that picture in your mind of what it is, um, then people can... They can see it, they can feel it, and they're more inclined to do it and stick with it. Powerful points. I completely agree with you. And now in like the back part of this interview, I want to kind of build on what we did, but shift it out of the physical space. And I want to ask you, how do people reduce like mental clutter? Like whether that's thoughts flying around, feeling like they're overwhelmed with tasks or emotions. And I do completely understand and respect there's not a one size fits all. Sure. Um, but I, I, I do want to, I, I know you will have some good insight on that. How do people have feel, achieve the experience of a cleaner, happier, more clear mind that's not so racy thoughts and so they could be less distracted, more productive and happier? Yeah, I mean, and obviously this is like, a hot topic and it's something that we all struggle with and and mental load is just a big thing there are a lot of moving parts for for all adults and then especially if you have moms because you're not just worrying about yourself and what you have to do at work and at home and but then you're also like all your wheels are turning for all of the things yeah. so there is some truth to the fact that there's just a lot happening. Um, one of the big things that I try to do is I'm a big believer in just doing brain dumps of like, yes, let me, me just too. get it out. I'm a big brain dump person. Um, and by nature, I'm a list maker and things like that. But I think getting it out and really looking at what is, what is on my mind that really needs to be on my mind because it is something. And what is on my mind that is either just taking up space and I'm focusing in, I don't need to be focusing in on that. Right. And what is stuff that's there that I could potentially delegate? And yeah. I think a lot of times we, I had to get very intentional with my husband and I put the responsibility on me again, going back to that whole, like, we think that people should be mind readers, you know, a lot of times. And looking at what can I delegate? Here's where I'm struggling. And if you could take this off my plate, whatever this is, it's one less thing. And for anybody that has 
you know, kids at home, you know that like it changes the dynamic when you have like one less body there. It's yeah. really the same with like responsibilities and the mental responsibilities yeah. of all the things. If you're like, if you could just take care of this, whether it's an ongoing thing, like, can you make school lunches or it's, we have to just register the kids for soccer. And if you could take care of that, that would be great because yeah. I'm doing all these things. So communicating that, but being really specific. So I brain dump and then I like look at what is deadline specific and yeah. what are the ongoing tasks. So I yeah. kind of break things down. And again, I'm a, like a very naturally procedural yeah. person. Like I, that's how my brain works. So, and if you're not that person, get a friend, get an accountability partner that maybe can help you. Because sometimes there are some people that just are like, just so overwhelmed, they can't even get out of their head in order to think about it. But if you can look at the facts, right? These are the facts. These are all the things that are stressing me out. This is time specific. This is just ongoing life that is, you know, holding me back. And then seeing what really relies on me. Like, yeah. what do I really have to do? And you try to, and I'm, I know I'm oversimplifying this, but treat it like your, your closet, treat it like your four piles, right? What, what can be relocated? Maybe this can sit on the back burner. Maybe this, I can donate this to somebody else, but it, you're talking about delegating it yeah. or, you know what, this is just something that's taking up my time. Right. And, and again, a lot of mental load. I, I don't mean to be a hater of social media. I'm not a hater of social media, but I do right. think that we waste a lot of time scrolling on things. And then that leads to these negative thoughts of we're seeing somebody else's highlight reel. And then sure. we start, I should be doing this or she's doing this better or whatever. So I think again, really looking at how am I spending my time, right? Yeah. When I'm not running with the kids or running to my job or doing things like what am I doing and how am I recharging myself? Whether that means I'm finding time for a walk, I'm finding time to meditate or pray or do whatever it is that you want to do, um, read a book. All of these things that we feel are, I'm not entitled to, these false narratives. Where can I fit those in? And I'm a big time blocker. So then what I do is once I have all of that information kind of out so I can see it, it's like out of my brain and on paper. Yeah. I then just time block. I look at like, okay, what are my, what are my realistic waking hours? Right. I know if I'm, you know, if you're somebody that gets up super early, great. I'm not. So if I'm like my waking hours are six and I'm by nine o'clock, I'm done. Okay. What can I realistically fit in these days in this time and really looking at it and just, um, trying to figure out how can you, how can you set your, your life up for success day by day? And it's going to be different and it's going to go through seasons, but every now and again, going through that exercise, I think is really important. I got to say, I, I found that as maybe because I'm a fellow type eight to be a really good answer. Um, and I want to okay. show you something actually, hold on. Okay. I'm grabbing a piece of paper off the side of my desk. Before you show you that, yeah. I just want to kind of highlight a couple of things that stood out to me is one is the brain dump, right? Because we, a lot of times we feel overwhelmed, just even like trying to hold in the file cabinet of our minds, all these things that we need to do. And you can only think about like one thing at a time, but you know, you have like 15 things and you're just wasting all this energy, just trying to even categorize and remember what you need to do. So the brain dumps therapeutic is you just like all on paper. And so now at least you feel like you don't, you, you release the psychological pressure to even remember what's up. And then, like you said, you can process certain things can be delegated. And the other thing, when you have like, let's just say 10 things that you're juggling, not all of them take the certain of the same amount of time. One, 
thing may take 10 hours, like a big project on something. Another thing literally may take like one minute, send a text message to that person you haven't texted back for days. And quite frankly, things can be blocked because they're similar activities. Like you may need to contact five people and that could all be done in a, in a short gap in between other things. So you can just get strategic about how it all kind of goes together. And I, like, I've done a lot of um, fancy use computer trackers, use check the box softwares. But like what I honestly love right now is literally just like old pen and paper on my desk. And I like yeah. put boxes and like, I just get so much satisfaction when I take my black Sharpie and I just literally like get to like black out a box. And then like, if I'm ever sitting there and I'm like, man, like, what do I do right now? I can just scan that list and be like, well, one, what do I feel like doing? And two, what, what I have the time to do? And then I could just knock something out and then it's like off the list. And then at a certain point, the desk paper gets thrown out and a new paper gets written. So it's like a constant process. And um, I just feel like everything you shared, very, very powerful. I think all personality types could benefit from at least brain dumping and then analyzing and then brain dumping and analyzing and then processing and taking action. So really, really yeah. good. And the other thing I was just going to say, yes to all those things, is I, a couple years ago, just for myself, and then I actually put it in, it's on our website, on our free resources page. I did a uh, my top three list. And I, the top three list was three non-negotiable things that I needed to do that were different than your ongoing thing. Like I wasn't like make dinner, do the laundry. Cause those are like routine drink from a fire hose things. It yeah. was I need to call and schedule the car to get the oil changed. I need to call and get a mammogram. I have to go buy a birthday present for somebody. Like whatever it is. So there were three things. So at the very least, I always would check those three things and have that sense of accomplishment because I know there are days that you go through and you're like, I know I was busy. I know I didn't sit down, but I don't know what I accomplished today. And that is such a like draining feeling. And so when I started putting that three thing list and I still do it and you can do it on your computer. Like I actually have, I use tasks now. Um, and I just, I have a, like I have other lists. I have like different, I like to separate my lists into categories, but I have a top three list and every day I've got at bare minimum. These are the three things that yeah, I the most important uh, things. Yeah. If something's going to get done, if these three things get done, nothing else gets done. This was great. Or at the very yeah. least, if they can't be done in a day, you're dedicating time to them every day so you feel like you've made progress on a bigger project. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. One other thing so. that's helped, and this is kind of like now from a business perspective, and I know for you running a business as well, is there's like this concept of even batching out different types of days, like a day has a theme. A day can yes. be like a free day, a focus day, or a buffer day. Like so, like a mm-hmm. free day is actually a day you slot in where you are giving yourself intentional time to like play, enjoy, personal time, do all the stuff that like gets kicked down the road. And you can choose what frequency that is for you. But like a good thing is like at least every two weeks, like get a free day on the books. But ideally, like you get better, you can do it very frequently. I know people who are very successful and run a lot of things that have like three free days a week. So you can get there. Uh, I think a buffer day is cool because those are the days where you have oftentimes a lot of errands, meetings, you're running around, you're not getting into like the deeper stuff that you necessarily need to do, but it's still productive. But on those buffer days, can you slot in a lot of the contacting? Can you make a call here? Can you be in the communication flow? Can you pay this bill? So like, that's kind of like more buffer work. And then the focus work is ideally a time throughout the week where if you have something big that you're working on moving forward, whether it's a a very powerful moment with your kids or whether it's a big work project or something like, ideally you have a full day where you have the mental space to like know that there's boundaries 
And then you can like get that brain into that deeper state of focus. And that requires space. It requires space simply. Like if you have to, if you try to do a deep work and then you have a meeting every like two hours, it's going to be pretty tough. You got to change gears a lot. Yeah. I, I love it. And I, I agree. And yeah, obviously, and we could do a whole podcast just even on like the whole entrepreneurial side of things, because again, that's, that's its own animal. And I agree. It is really important. And building in, I call it building in margin, building in margin for the things. Um, one of the things that I tell, excuse me, I tell moms that are stay-at-home moms because they're like, okay, well, how do, especially if I've got little kids at home that aren't in school, like how do I find those times? And I think it's really important to try to still batch your stuff together as much as you can so that you're not running 10 times back and forth to the same place. And again, that's where sometimes if you don't have a large family network or whatever, that's when maybe you need to just find your tribe of people to say, you know what, I'm on... Tuesday afternoons, I do a swap with, you know, three of my friends and we watch each other's kids so that I can do X, Y, and Z, whatever that is. Um, and I mean, I remember when my kids were little, I had taken a small break from work and I was a stay at home mom. And I was fortunate that my mom would come up once a week and watch my daughter at the time. I just had one and I would batch those days. I would try to make doctor's appointments, I would run to the store, like things I didn't have to take that would take, you know, it was just easier that I could just do it by myself. And granted, not everybody has that. But if you can even carve out little pockets of time when you have some support, because when we're at work, a lot of times we feel like we can be more strategic and disciplined. And you're when you're at home, you kind of feel like I'm on call 24 yeah. seven. And I think it's really important to try to figure out how you're spending your time so that you're not just on this hamster wheel. Love it for sure. And when we're on the hamster wheel long enough, that's when we just feel that nagging anxiety, things are building up. Then we don't take care of our self-care. Now we're not motivated to eat healthy and exercise as much. And then like we're caught in this like static ball of like negative energy and like the clutter and then the health and fitness habits can all help we unwind that. So the promise is beautiful of, of what can be done here. Now, my final question is I kind of want to ask you now with yeah. the hat specifically as a parent of like stuff mm-hmm. that you and your husband do to help your kids be happy, well-adjusted, organized, and quite frankly, less anxious. I think there's a lot of anxious kids these days, largely because of totally. phones, social media, not getting outside enough, all the things like what, what are some of your guiding parenting principles and how are you, how are you really thinking about raising well-adjusted kids? God. Right. I don't know if I'm qualified. You but should ask my but kids. But it's for qual- you. Yeah. I'm sure let's say you're doing a decent job. And then when they're older, they'll say you did a great job. Uh, hopefully. I don't know. Um, I, it's a great question. Like I said earlier, I think first of all, letting your kids know that they matter in the sense of like, they have a purpose in this family and like, uh, and everybody plays a, a part so that they have ownership in the organization process in the mechanics of the house. And again, doesn't mean that they're going to be Cinderella all the time, scrubbing toilets or doing all that. Obviously you're still the parents, but giving them responsibilities that, and you can choose to reward them and pay them an allowance or not, or whatever you want to work it. But things like taking out the trash or walking the dog or whatever it is that is important for your family. I think it is, I think setting those um, expectations is really, really important. Um, I also think, again, spending present time with your kids. I can say I have two girls. 
They have very different personalities. Um, and I'd like to believe, and hopefully they would agree, that my husband and I did a pretty decent job, well, we tried at least, to lean into their own interests because they were different. And so giving them those, um, the opportunity to flourish where they flourish, but also support their other ones. So my one daughter that's a musician went to her sister's basketball games and my daughter that's, you know, my other daughter would go to her concerts. And so again, just realizing that I always try to say to my kids without sounding like I'm on a soapbox, like my kids were my world, but the world doesn't revolve around them. And so they knew also that my husband and I worked and that we would show up as much as we could when we could, but that didn't mean that we could always be at every single thing all of the time because we had other people that were relying on us for work and deadlines and things like that. So we, you know, and that was a really hard lesson, especially with my husband who traveled a lot because unfortunately by design, he, you know, missed certain, you know, concerts and things like that. And I think it's important as a parent to say, we're doing, you know, we're going to try to show up what's really important to you and engage in that conversation with them. And again, as they get older, then they see that, that your parents have a life outside of you, but that their, their participation in having the house running is key. Yeah. I hear participation. I hear clear communication and boundaries and expectations. I hear using their relationship between your two daughters to help them show up for each other as a big part of your parenting philosophy and just leaning into their uniqueness. Like, beautiful. I mean, yeah, and that... modeling really and modeling behavior mm-hmm. because I think, and again, I did a, we, we had a, a tip of the week about this one as well, where I get so many parents that will say to me, my kid's a mess. My kid doesn't clean up after themselves. And I'm like, tell me about your habits. You know, and I'll come back and they don't make their bed or they leave piles of unopened mail. And so again, you know, your kids are seeing certain things. So it's hard enough to get your kids to buy in when you're already organized, (laughs) but when you're disorganized and you're saying you need to do X, Y, and Z and they see it, it's really hard. So I always try to tell people to, if you can model the behavior that you want to see. Nice. Well, Lori Palau, wow, what a conversation, a power hour. I mean, I feel inspired to look around my office and see where I can just be even better and inspired. And I think this was such a cool and holistic presentation that you gave on how clutter is connected to our personality, to our families, to our growth and development. Um, You are awesome, my friend. And I know that someone's listening to this and they're going to want to learn more about your work. So tell us where they can find your podcast. Tell us how they can work with you, your book, all the things, please. Oh, thank you. And we're going to have to get you on our show. We're going to have to, we're going to have to return the favor and get you on this organized life. Um, so my website is the hub for everything. And that's simply the letter B like boy organized. And I'm sure you'll link to that in the show notes. Yes, we will. Um, from there, you can find the podcast, which is called This Organized Life. Obviously, if you're a podcast listener, go check us out. Um, and the books, you know, you can get all that. It's on Amazon and on the website. And if you want to learn more about the work that I'm doing with the specifically with personality and clutter, um, I have a, a digital I call it a course. It's really, I hate you calling it a course, but it's like <laughs> more fun really than a, a course. It's, yeah. It's, it's, I need to come up with a better word. So if anybody's listening out there, there's a better word. It's an it's experience. Really, it's like a workshop. It's okay. really like a more of an online workshop. Like you're coming in and you're learning and there's, but there are module based and it talks all about clutter and then specifically 
each personality type and characteristics of them and how different strategies work for different types. So if you want to check that out, it's on my website and I'm going to put a promo code um, and we'll just call it Hasbro Fit 20 for 20% off if anybody's interested. Please. Um, because I want people to get this information. Again, I think even if you are somebody that's really organized, and I get this all the time, people are like, I'm organized, I'm this. But again, we are relational beings and we live and work with other people. Mm -hmm. So even understanding how your coworkers, your roommates, your spouse, your kids, getting a, a little bit of a glimpse into how their brain works, like you said at the top of the episode, gives you perspective, empathy, grace, all mm-hmm. things. So um, that's it. Mike drop. That's what I got. Lori, thanks so much. There'll be links in the show notes. Fit20 was that code on yep. her website. And thank you all for tuning in today for this amazing conversation. Thanks, Lori. Hey there, my friend. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of the Fit Mother Project podcast. If you love what you heard, I have a favor to ask you. Please consider taking 60 seconds right now to leave us a rating and review on our podcast. Leaving us a review is super quick. It only takes a minute and it's so, so helpful to us as it really boosts this podcast to reach more people who need this information and this message. If you're listening on Apple Podcast, you can leave us a star rating and review. If you're watching on YouTube, you can hit the like button and leave us a comment. Overall, I truly appreciate you being with us here on the podcast. On behalf of me and my entire Fit Mother Project team, we truly feel honored and grateful to support you and your family on your journey to fantastic health. I thank you for your support of this podcast and of this mission. Also, if you're interested in joining our Complete Fit Mother program and becoming an official member of our community, you can visit our website, fitmotherproject.com. And on the Fit Mother site, you'll be able to see our Complete Fit Mother program along with our online store with the best supplements designed for busy moms. And you'll also find a ton of free resources like recipes, workouts, meal plans, and more. God bless you and your family. This is Dr. Anthony Balduzzi signing off. I'll catch you on the next episodes of the Fit Mother Project podcast.